0: Welcome to 99Talks, your go-to breakdown of the debates determining our future. Brought to you by three Melbourne students, Jaden, and Whitney and Ariel, we seek to start discussions with young millennials and Generation Z about our place in the world as it rapidly changes. We would like to
1: open this podcast by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this episode, as well as traditional custodians of the land throughout Australia that you may be listening on. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening.
2: Hello and welcome back to episode 11, we think, of 99 Talks. (laughs) This is the first episode of 2021. Happy New Year. Um, We did record an episode between Christmas and New Year's. However,
0: we had technical difficulties. One it, didn't work. So. it didn't work
2: very well. And we recorded an absolute stunner of an episode as well. I
1: reckon it was our best episode ever. Like we just Conversationally,
2: talk... yeah, yeah.
1: We all finished and we were all like, oh, that was really yeah. good. And, and then we listened to then, it unfortunately, back. Unfortunately,
2: my 2014 laptop let us down <laughs> the, the wobbly USB Shotgun. port. And yeah, the audio was very crackly. So.
1: Yeah, we were so pumped. And then we listened to it back and it's like crackly. And then
2: we were like... <laughs> no nah, we're not doing that again <laughs> so well i mean we can recap 2020 a little bit um and then maybe we can look forward to this year 2021 and see yeah. what see what's got in come. store for us and so have a
1: look at what's happened in the first week of 2021 as well yeah. can't it's believe crazy
2: it's a, been January.
0: quite eventful like this first week i think everybody's I think so. settled back into reality yeah
2: absolutely right, so i guess 2020 started off with the bushfires that was a crazy time i know you guys had to evacuate
0: yeah
1: and I don't think I'll ever really forget the beginning of 2020 and it's just crazy what came after that but
2: yeah so we had like the bushfires and then obviously COVID hit us which included no socializing and a lot of online university and we sort of found that to be quite challenging at some points
0: very isolating at some stages there and also just try like hard to try and marry the, your past life with what you were currently experiencing as well yeah. and how different it became in such a short period of time. Um, yeah, very crazy. But look, we've all come out the other side. We went through yeah. how many months of lockdown, started this podcast in, in that period, period of, of lockdown. time.
2: <laughs> I know one of the most, I guess, funny things that we were talking about when we did record last week was me telling Whitney to stay in France, enjoy yeah. her time abroad um on exchange and I was telling Whitney to ignore her panicking parents telling <laughs> telling her to come back and it turns out Whitney came back and made the correct decision so yeah it Oops.
0: was very strange over there and I do have self diagnosed coronavirus that you had <laughs> <laughs> we self diagnosed so we're not 100% sure but very very certain. I used a TikTok about COVID toes to diagnose it. So only the most um, reliable. <laughs> but I had a lot of the symptoms. I was very unwell for the majority of the time that I was overseas. Which was like um, January, February, March. Yeah. yeah. So I think I got it um, at the airport at Abu Dhabi. It's probably the most likely place. Oh, it's a very like, big interchange. On the way up. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't until about 14 days in that I started to get really sick. And I would just had, like, night sweats and I was just really unwell and really, un- like, lethargic. Didn't yeah. really have many respiratory issues, which was nice, but... Mum was like, oh, Whitney, don't worry, it's fine. It's a change of water. Like, you'll adapt. You just get sick when you yeah. travel that far. Yeah, I but... said that. It was change of season.
1: But yeah. I do remember, you, like, now that you say it, I remember you being like, I am so sick and I just can't shake it. Yeah, It was
0: like six weeks long. Yeah, it didn't go away. So I had it for four weeks and then I kind of got better for a bit and then something else came back and I was unwell again. But I think of all the places that I went in that time, and all the yeah. people that I've potentially spread it to, and it makes me panic a little bit. But that was before anyone yeah. had any consciousness yeah. of it. Like it was even, very fresh. Even when I came back to Melbourne, I'm thinking about this the last week that I didn't even have a COVID test quarantine yeah, right, for 14 days. Thank goodness well, I didn't like, even the hotel. government
2: the government regulations changed very quickly as well. Yeah. So it started you know having to quarantine at home then in a hotel. So yeah, and I just very just
0: missed that threshold. But I don't think the test was even around. That was like its infancy. Yeah, they were, like, developing tests. It's yeah. crazy how far we've come like, yeah. in, in that year. time. And now we yeah. have, like, nations that are rolling out vaccinations and that in itself yeah, miraculous. Yeah. So definitely a big year for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. Um, so you came back from France, had a bit of time off, and then got back into online uni like the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I don't really have much to say about it as much as you two because you both did two semesters. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely but hated it. How that's did it. you find Ariel in your last year of uni, having to go through like, oh, yes. the whole experience, mentally wrapping everything up, but also being so isolated from the experience that you thought you would have?
2: Side note, that's one thing we missed out on announcing <laughs> last week. Ariel did graduate <laughs> yes. over the Christmas period. <laughs> um, unfortunately, didn't get to have the... Um, the ceremony that she deserved but you know we got there
1: yeah I was I was quite cut not to have a ceremony (laughs) (laughs) I came home from work and my um family had party poppers and I walked in the house and they like popped all the party poppers and I just like went to my room and cried but online uni honestly was kind of the worst for me we've spoken about it before but I get very motivated and I think a lot of people do from their environment and kind of projecting off the energy of the people around them. And I learn a lot of, like, critical thinking from conversations with other university students, like in between classes and over coffee and stuff like that, just being taken away from that. And pretty much I lost a third of my degree. And I found it very, very isolating, and I probably couldn't have done another semester of it. So to people who are looking at, you know, potentially another semester of on and off online learning and it not being very stable, I really do empathise because... I pretty much hit my max like I got to the point where I wasn't I didn't do my last week of classes because I just couldn't log on anymore so
2: yeah I relate to Ariel's apathy towards the end because first semester I had so much motivation the novelty of being at home in your PJs but still going to class was pretty cool I think I actually got the best grades I've ever gotten in semester one I
1: got the worst (laughs) yeah
2: and then second semester the um the novelty of it wore off and I had lost all motivation whatsoever and I got the worst marks I've ever gotten. So I yeah, guess it sort of shows the, the two sides of online yeah, learning.
1: Everyone responds differently. Yeah. I was just so frustrated because I needed a certain mark for the next degree that I was looking at. I was finally getting up there and then and then it all tanked with COVID. But thank goodness the um, unis did come around and put in some amnesty around marks. That was good.
0: Yeah, Melbourne are really good like that, and I'm really very thankful that they did have that Wham um, protection policy because that I think when I did do yeah. some my semester two, it was like you'll be okay like if the ten grand for the year
1: could be waived that would be nice <laughs> or discounted yeah. yeah but anyway that's optimistic <laughs> very yeah and I guess now we've wrapped up twenty twenty and it was a very isolated year we didn't see our friends much at all. And so now we're just getting back into the swing of socialising. And, and you
2: may have seen on New Year's Eve on our Instagram page that we all managed to <laughs> catch up.
1: Only a mildly drunk Instagram story <laughs> there. Look, I had sober Whitney looking over it as I posted. Yeah. She yes. was, cool. was, like, itching to take the photo
0: <laughs> I was, like, just do this and do this photo and, like, slowly put it to the right. Um, Honestly, I
2: don't remember taking the photo. <laughs> Too many beers. That's right.
1: Um, well, I was going hard to the Daniel Andrews remix of Get On The Beers and Injured My Hand in the fan. Yeah. (laughs) The most 2020 injury. Yeah. But anyway, it's so good to be um, socializing again. So we're hoping here in Melbourne that stays intact. We've had to take some measures recently to, you know, protect what we've reached. So.
2: And we know that like around the world that they are not as lucky as we are Mm. here. Like the UK just went into their third national lockdown today. The U.S. probably should be into a lock going into a lockdown, but they're not. And COVID around the world is just still, you know, the, <laughs> the, the stroke of the, the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve didn't really do anything in regards to stopping yeah. COVID. I guess how people would have liked it to occur. Victoria
1: is almost the one place that kind of did have that stroke of midnight. Things are okay in the. I mean, but rather than the stroke of midnight, it was more the last month of twenty twenty. And that could change. We're watching a precarious situation with the New South Wales outbreak at the moment, but it's almost a privilege to have endured lockdown when we did and now we're, we hope, on the other side of it. But even just to be used to those measures because you see New South Wales and they can't do things like slap masks back on or, you know, like they have to tread the restrictions more carefully whether or not you agree with different measures of restriction. They can't, here it would be much easier to get the citizenship kind of back into the old way of things because we've enjoyed it. We've known that we've come out of the other side and there's always pain in that um, and loss, but I think when you look at the uk going back into their third lockdown just the damage that that's causing because it's so reactive rather than proactive when it mattered and now it's almost like from my perspective where we hit a point where victoria got to zero i don't almost can't see how this lockdown is going to help that much because i mean they're at capacity in their hospitals so they need to do it but they're almost they're so far gone that it's just kind of scary because you don't know how they'll get and yeah, yeah it
2: seems like a lost cause but it also seems like our goal was essentially eliminating the virus r- yeah. whether or not that's what the government says however the UK simply have the goal to protect the, the their national health system and so like that's I guess where the difference is between the two approaches of as opposed yeah. to just minimizing harm and just completely re- removing the virus from the community yeah.
1: but removing the virus from the community protects the health system like it wouldn't be so precarious if they're being proactive and I think this reactive thing means people have done lockdowns and endured restrictions and now they have to do it again and people are still dying at a mass rate. So it's the
0: worst of both worlds. I think it kind of all stems to how the government initially handled COVID. So in Victoria, and around Australia too, we were very like straight yeah. up and dealt with it. But overseas, they kind of put the economy first and were like, we're going to maintain this economic standing, but also try and suppress the virus. But really to no avail because... You look at the situation that they're in versus where we are, mm. and we're probably more economically prosperous right now because we did undertake those excellent number of months of lockdown. So it's really difficult, and I also think it builds on how people understand the lockdown and how they mentally, like, put it in their head. So for us, it was it was sacrifice that we had to make for the betterment of everybody else. Yeah, but over there, it's such a big issue because it's like their rights are being impinged and they're not being able, not being able to freely do the things that they want to do. But I think you need to put it in perspective of for everybody. So if it's something that you can take to do to help somebody else, I think you need to do it. And you look at their hospitals, you look at all their other systems. like things are going to start collapsing because that protectionary measure hasn't been taken.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that got me through was you can absolutely hate something and still know that it's the right thing to do. In some ways, we're worse off because of a lockdown, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing. And so, and that's something you can agree or disagree with. But if you're going to have to endure a lockdown, I think that's a mindset that can help you.
0: Perhaps I think our whole outs, our whole outlook on the lockdown is being very positive. But I think if you look at nations like the UK and the US, it's a very um, political issue now, so it's yeah. wearing masks is like a no go unless you follow a certain pattern of politics or you think in a certain direction. But for us, it was like you just do that to protect yourself and to protect others. Yeah. So it's become part of our culture in our society. So if they say put your mask on, we'll do it, and was just second nature. Yeah. But for them, it's it's a statement, and to do it or not to do it is showing people explicitly how you see things and how you understand politics and society. So that that's a hard one because then you will get people that don't want to conform to what needs to be done, which just brings bigger issues for everybody else.
2: So yeah, unfortunately we weren't able to summarise 2020 up quite as much in detail as we would have liked last week, just due to those technical difficulties. But you know, it was quite an eventful year and we did learn and gain quite a lot from it. But Already 2021, we are five days into the year and already so much has happened. What's happened so far, Ariel?
1: Well, yeah, I guess one of the big ticket items this week is the lockdown in the UK, which we just talked about. The other one, the smoking gun on Donald Trump's, you know, election tantrum, I like to call it, is the phone call. I think most people have probably seen something about it floating around their news feed. How would you summarise it?
0: It's ridiculous. Desper- I don't know.
2: Pure desperation, yeah. trying to cling on to power after the election was called against him. I it guess. just
0: shows it how much of a sore loser he is, and how much I think he mentally expected to win and this election. Yeah. And when it hasn't gone his way, he's like, "Oh, hold but up, shit. what can we and, do?" <laughs> and similar
2: to previous times, um, Trump has gone against convention. Prominent Republicans such as like Mitt Romney have called him out against about have called him out on this like complete disregard of convention and democracy. So it's not necessarily a partisan issue unless you're Trump because a lot of Republicans are fed up with this as well.
1: I think you're exactly right. It's not necessarily a Republican issue. And we did talk about this in a previous episode where basically Donald Trump, I think, is just kind of using the Republican Party, and always has, as the legs behind him to power him. And I think it's coming to light now that he is probably not a long term a good thing for the party and he's really re you know, taken away from actually what the core ideals behind right wing politics are. I mean he still embodies right wing politics, but in terms of the kind of small government side of the right wing of the political spectrum, he's obliterating that essentially and often all under the guise of freedom etc we should sum up what this phone call really was it's about an hour long phone call that's been leaked obtained by the washington post i believe and yeah so it's a phone call between donald trump and the secretary of state in georgia brad raffensperger and their you know legal teams and staff etc and, I don't know, the big quote that comes out of this phone call that really kind of sums up, I think, what a lot of us could see as the um, motivation behind kind of this tantrum he's been throwing is he says, I just want to find 11,780 votes. You have the rest of
0: that quote with. Yeah, and then he says, which is one more than we have because we won the state. It's honestly such a last-ditch effort to try yeah. and convince somebody... To change the whole outcome of, of an election. He's not which even was, hiding it. It's... Yeah, and it was legitimate. Everything that had to be done was done. Yeah. It's it's crazy. But you think about it, the US intervene in these like developing and emerging countries to ensure that this type of stuff doesn't happen. Maybe we should go over and
2: bring some democracy to America because their, their <laughs> tyrannical leader is just...
0: Well, there was <sighs> one recently, like just after the election there was a statement released by the us i don't know to which country saying that like you need to stop your like, mili- military involvement in your election mm-hmm. or something like that
2: let this, yeah let yeah. the democracy play. take
0: place and that's exactly is what is happening in the us right now and he yeah. uses and this is
1: what i was saying about donald trump kind of flying on the wings of republican ideals but they not actually not actually carrying them out is he he throws this whole tantrum under the whole thing that he's protecting democracy, that democracy has been obstructed when we're literally watching him obstruct democracy. And I think the thing is, that's not, for me, that's not a political statement to say that he is obstructing democracy here. You can see he's not backed just by all fact. of his party. Yeah. Are we, are we flying on our biases here?
2: No, it's just the fact that he's trying to overturn the election, which was freely and fairly conducted by the individual states in America. It's as simple as that.
0: I think it's just another case of a white man who's in a very privileged position, who all of his life people have said, yes, you want to do it, you can do it. And now somebody, well, not somebody, but a country has said, no, we no longer support you. We want somebody else in this position of power. And he's just he's so thrown a tantrum. for once in his life, society yeah. has not backed him up. Yeah. And that that is a confronting thing when your whole life, it's been yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I understand that, but also don't interfere with the course of what's happened. And people have said and expressed what future they want in their nation. So let that happen. And if you're not happy with the result, well, I think that's something that you need to reflect internally, but... What's me to say that to Donald Trump? To be
2: honest, <laughs> and and Donald Trump's like own legal team have put forward hundreds of legal cases in different states trying to overturn the election, and they're all rejected. They've all they're been rejected by the courts. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't see what else he thinks he can do.
1: So he actually he made you know it was an hour long phone call. So well that has been leaked. So there's a number of claims being made, and the BBC fact checked them. So I thought I would kind of run through. What those are, because I think a lot of people can see that Trump is kicking up a fuss. Oh, that was my ankle. Snapping. <laughs> a lot of people can see that Trump is kicking up a fuss. All you have to do is log onto Twitter to see that. But... On, you know, what leg does he have to stand on? And honestly, as you'll see from kind of this fact-checking, not much of one. So one quote is, so dead people voted, and I think the number is close to 5,000 people and he's speaking within the context of Georgia. There's only two confirmed cases of dead voters in Georgia this election. Are they mm-hmm. people
0: that have passed away? Yeah. yeah. Recently? Yeah. And Through it's the like, pandemic? <laughs> it's an... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's- well, that's probably a bit touchy, isn't it? There was
2: actually a congressman who got elected at the November election and he has since passed away from COVID. So they're going to have to have a by-election for that seat it's as almost well.
1: like that West Wing episode where they elect a dead person. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Me being so, a nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, so the BBC contacted a sample of these accused dead voters and found them very much alive in that sample i don't know what their sample methods were though but also they've done a previous study into a list that was produced the same way of ten thousand allegedly dead voters in michigan and they proved it a flawed source of data as and then i just didn't finish my sentence as the cross-referencing process uh produces a bunch of matches like a bunch of names bunch of addresses and it It's not qualifiable data. Anyway, so the next claim he made was that there were thousands of thousands of ballots in a box that was not an official or a sealed box. So here he's referring to a video at a counting facility in Georgia, and claims that this video reveals fraudulent activity by election workers who are shown returning to their counting areas after a break, I presume, and a container with ballots is pulled out from under a table. So an official, official investigation of the footage determined that there were no mystery ballots that were brought in from an unknown location and hidden under tables, as has been reported by some, and it's not easy to just bring a box into an official electing accounting facility.
2: Yeah, they're secure and fenced off. I've seen you yeah. seen yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're secure and fenced off. It's not. It's not something you can just do.
0: Yeah, that video though like the excerpt of when there was that guy reporting and then there was people standing at the front saying, "This is dodgy. This is yeah. dodgy." and, and he and was, that was carrying to- <laughs>
2: camera equipment.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. And that's what a lot of these
1: claims are based on. So Fulton County Elections Director Richard Barron said that workers had put those ballot bins under their workspace because it's the most convenient place to put those things in. (laughs) Um, And state authorities said that there was nothing unofficial about the boxes containing the ballots. At the same counting facility, Donald Trump tried to claim that an overflowing urinal which caused disruption had <laughs> incurred a break and the counting was fraudulent. So it had first been said that it was like a water main break or something. Yeah. And then they they figured out it was a, this is just like a counting facility and a urinal overflow, <laughs> and Donald Trump's like, the election's are fraud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it caused a disruption and anywhere he can see a disruption, he's pointing to it. So, yeah, and then he said, you had out-of-state voters. They voted in Georgia, but they were from out-of-state of of 4,925. Doesn't even speak in, like, full sentences. Anyway. (laughs) So, Ryan, Germany, a lawyer representing Georgia's Secretary of State's office. Also, I just want to point out that this conversation, all these accusations... The Secretary of State in Georgia is a Republican, yeah. Which and we've spoken about an interview with one of his officials before, so it's not like this is a partisan. This isn't a partisan and thing. Yeah, this is yeah. just
0: and Georgia's oh. a typically Republican it's a, state. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just I think upholding
2: conventions. And
0: they're just doing their job. Mm. Yeah, but I think that's why it's more wounding for Trump because yeah. it is a red state historically, and now that it's not, and it gives him half a leg to stand on. Yeah, yeah. So
1: anyway, Ryan Germany. Representing Georgia's Secretary of State's office was on the phone call. He rejected this claim on the basis that, firstly, Trump's numbers were inaccurate, and secondly, that checks had been made to confirm that those accused out of state voters were people who had lived in Georgia, moved to a different state, and then moved back to Georgia legitimately. And that is very realistic in America. Mm -hmm. People leave for college or for work. How many people have moved home because of the pandemic in 2020? Yeah ironically been a very mobile year particularly in america where they For have a, students, culture of a, lot, a lot of around. students yeah yeah so that's very i don't know explain explicable his other claim was they're shredding ballots and you have to look at that very carefully because that's so illegal <laughs> so illegal <laughs> um, this not just one, a little bit illegal <laughs> so, so illegal, illegal. <laughs> um yeah this one again is kind of it's A rumor. So it's based on social media videos of old mailing labels and other papers with voter information, old emails and duplicate absentee ballot forms. Um, The source of that fact checking is an official investigation. The BBC again. Like I work in an office where information that looks very important is always shredded. Addresses, you know, things Mm. on file. That is so. It's It's such a standard. And he's just finding the most standard things. And I think
2: just like being able to cast doubt upon. Anything in the system. And his his really staunch supporters are gonna cling on to that and they're gonna they're gonna to run to town with it.
1: And he really helped himself out in the twenty sixteen election when he established this whole idea of fake news because he created this idea that people can't trust the news and then he uses that to support himself and to put I hate to say it, fake fake news out there. He, he plant he uses charm. don't
0: hate to say it. Yeah. But. He plants seeds. So that's mm. how I, he's an effective leader because he leaves this like trail of
2: yeah, things he, he in did the that past. With mail-in the yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. You watch videos where they reflect upon what he said 6, 12 months ago. Yeah. And it all relates back to this past election and the past few mm-hmm. weeks after the election. So it's it's a very smart way. And it's pretty methodical. But it's also very damaging. And we need to understand that too. Yeah. And
1: then one of the last... Yeah, the last claim that was fact checked by the BBC is that he said, we have not gone through your Dominion, which is the brand of the company of voting machines, so we can't give them blessing. I mean, in other states, we think we found tremendous corruption with the Dominion machines. And this is a claim he's made in multiple states that the Dominion voting systems led to millions of Trump votes being flipped to his rival, Joe Biden. There's no evidence of this in Georgia or anywhere else, and several lawsuits regarding the claims have been rejected by courts. So... Yeah, there's a little fact-checking on that tantrum, but I think it just exposes his motives. He's just looking for any way to find his 11,780 votes so that the power can once again be his.
0: Mm -hmm. But even if he was to overturn the state and it did turn back to a Republican state, that wouldn't be enough to give him the presidency. He still doesn't have enough electoral college votes. And I think he's just trying to, like weasel is into the minds of people and also it's sort of a very bit of a turning point in georgia at the moment too because they do have their runoff elections and one of the other really good quotes on that phone call that kind of resonated with me is he makes a point talking about this runoff election and he says and you would be respected really really respected if this thing could be straightened out before the election so i think that's almost a bit of a threat to like figure this out. And then you'll be backed by our support. And that's not how it should be. And
2: that would be the respect that would come from if the Republicans won the majority in the Senate. Because obviously that man he's talking to is a Republican as well. Mm. So Trump's kind of trying to manipulate him, blackmail, to get respect within his party and essentially status within the party as well.
1: I think it's just a spectacular... Fit from a man who has always gotten exactly what he wanted. He thinks he's so powerful that he can say he, his, res, you know, yeah. his respect can be given and taken and he can make or break people's careers and I'm sure he has. And yeah, so. It is quite spectacular to see what's
0: happening and the 20th of January is oh so close. Inauguration day. I'm so interested to see how that plays out because usually they have the pass President's... and the hands over beforehand and the families what's go to the do, White like,
1: House. What's he going to do, like, whip Joe Biden off? Like... I,
2: I did actually read an article that some people are suspecting Trump will leave the country before The inauguration, yeah. Because because of some criminal, because of some criminal convictions that he may,
0: oh, yeah, that he may
2: actually keep,
0: like all of the tax returns, all that stuff as well. He's up for a lot, and there's all these loans that he has. Yeah, it's not
2: just about being the president; it's about being untouchable. Yeah, Yeah, that
1: makes me want to vomit. Imagine this man finally is pushed out of the presidency and is then convicted of all of these things, and America just let him lead. Yeah, America and arguably a great portion of the world for four, four years. That makes me sick.
0: But I think a lot of him wanting to stay is that that gives him automatic. What's the term? He.
2: Not immunity. It's no. Not,
0: it's is not, it immunity? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think it gives him is immunity. It, is that the
2: word? okay? Start yeah. again.
0: <laughs> so he's not going to be. A, they can't come at him. Yeah. When he's in that position of power, unless he is impeached, and then that process. Like he was impeached, but yeah. nothing really came no, out they acquitted of it.
2: From the Senate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, and then I think his next twelve months will be so uncertain, and that doesn't sit well with him as well. So, yeah. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so, actually, a pretty good segue
1: talking about the inauguration and kind of where will Trump be by the end of next year, his first year out of office?
2: Prison. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <They're> um, Speculate. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so let's kind of look forward to 2021. What's on our radar as young people, as 99ers? What kind of can we expect, should we keep an eye out for in 2021? And yeah, I guess the first big event in a global perspective is probably the inauguration of Joe Biden on the 20th of January.
2: And it'll be the 21st of January in Australia. Yeah,
1: Yeah. 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 because we'll be watching. I'll be watching, (laughs)
2: Um, 5am-ish.
1: And yeah, so where will Trump be as a political player by December? So let's look at the first year of Biden-Harris president and vice president. What can we kind of expect? What are people hoping for? The first one is the pandemic response. I'm a bit of a cynic. You could probably tell when we were talking about the UK, but I just feel like they're too far gone. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how much you can do at this point. Hopefully a lot.
2: I feel like at this point, they're just reliant on the vaccine and getting as many people vaccinated as soon as possible. But even then... That's That's their... approach
0: even then they've got access to 12 million doses at the moment and only 3 million have been rolled out so yeah. it's not so like a rapid it's a long process
2: especially for a vaccine that requires two doses
0: yeah but then you see in the uk as well which i thought was really interesting a bit of a bit of a side note here it's only been tested in both trials that the vaccination should have three weeks in between getting the first shot and the second. But the UK have decided to leave three months in between. Yeah, they want in to order... prioritise the yeah. first dose. To prioritise the first dose, get as many out as possible and then go back to doing the second lot. But it hasn't been tested, so it's really risky. I think the, the, the strange thing about
2: that, that is it's that's politicians making that decision so they can...
0: That means people aren't vaccinated for a further three C- months. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But so then does it not... actually change the efficiency? Well, probably, because you don't know if it works and if the take-up actually happens if you don't get the second dose. So it's really risky. It may not be even Mm. doing what it needs to do. And that's politicians, not
2: medical experts, making that decision. So that's concerning.
1: But I just don't understand, like, maybe I'm slow, but, like, if the idea (laughs) is to get it out to more people as quickly as possible, well, you're delaying it by three months anyway. People won't be vaccinated for a further three months.
0: Wouldn't you just get both doses out as quickly as possible? I think it's a thing of if they can vaccinate Everyone with the first one, it's like, great, we've got got heaps of numbers. It's also
1: reportable and looks good politically. That's
0: that's why. So it's not really, we don't know the effectiveness of it because it hasn't been tested, as we just said. But that could backfire in an already very heightened situation where it's quite desperate. So let's see what's...
2: It'll be interesting. But back to the US, I think for me personally, in regards to the COVID approach, maybe there might be a bit more of a grown up approach in regards to the federal government's the way they talk about COVID. You know, Joe and Biden actual policies. Yeah, in Joe <laughs> Biden's going to be pushing for a national mask mandate for I think the first one hundred days of his presidency. Yeah, even that true. is still, you know, it's easy to be cynical because the states have so much authority over there as well.
1: You also can't even get Sydney, Australia to wear masks. Man yeah. Show, like so, good luck with... Dallas,
0: Texas. <laughs> yeah. This is where like the cultural idea of wearing a mask hasn't settled in some places like it has here in Melbourne. Yeah. And so you, if you don't have that, well, I don't think the policy is going to be that successful, which you must have like financial penalty. Like we had a $200 fine. fine. Mm. So you need that. But then they need to actually enforce that.
1: Some other policies that I think they were looking that you can probably expect from the first year... And their response to the pandemic is a huge ramp up in testing capacity. So including drive-through diagnostic testing sites with rapid results. They've got some weird forms of testing compared to what we've got, don't they? Like they've got heaps of different... Do they?
2: I don't know. i <laughs> so high. I heard things
1: crack in your back. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I've just seen all these different like... Sometimes they mail them and sometimes it's a spit Of course swab they do. Of
2: course they do. And,
1: it, and, like, it's, again, it's all it's almost like a consumerism thing where people just have all
0: these different ways of doing it and nothing is uniform and nothing is, like... It has to be homogenous. Like, everybody has the same test. Everybody can get it in the same kind of, like, turnaround time. Yeah. So you're not going outside and doing things, having COVID, not knowing, and then be like, oh, look where I've been the past week.
2: That would compromise states' rights.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Mrs. it's the personal
1: liberty thing too. And I just think it's this personal liberty thing. Like I saw a thread on Facebook. Um, It was about guns, but it was it, it links in that there's like this American perspective that the Australian government, even the Liberal government, is somewhat socialist because things can be, you know, mandatorily. Is that a word? Mand-
2: anyway. Yeah, what
1: you want to say? Things are uniform. <laughs> they apply to everybody the same way. In some ways they restrict... Personal liberty is like you don't get to choose exactly how you do your test and which test it is or whatever, but it's all in the interest of the greater good, which is a more left-wing and thereby creeps towards socialism. And I think it's it's that thing that they get so caught up on the personal liberty. When I'm looking at it, and I, what about your personal freedom to be protected by your government when your government has the resources to know better?
0: But I just don't think those connections are made because the way that they see it is so, like, negative. So it's not looking at it in the bigger perspective. It's like, this is one thing we're going to focus, we're going to hone in on it, but every other connection just gets lost because that is the most important issue and it's, like, at the forefront. Yeah. Which is really sad because, as you said, protection by your government should be the ultimate thing right now. Yeah. And it's
1: not. Not to the extent of totalitarianism, but, like... Your government has access to more resources and it is their job to protect you and use those resources to support the public health and et cetera, public well-being. Duty of care. Yeah. Mm. I think we could retitle this podcast, I Don't Understand America.
2: <laughs> For me, another really big policy shift in regards to the Biden administration coming in is on day one, they'll be rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement and that is... Huge. The Biden administration is going to commit to net zero emissions by 2050, and that's like huge and puts a lot of pressure on countries such as Australia yeah. who aren't really pulling their weight in regards to action on climate change. The last four years, Australia hasn't really had any pressure from Trump, who essentially believes climate change is a hoax. And now, with Biden on the phone to Scott Morrison, hopefully there's a bit more pressure for some serious action on climate change because Australia's not pulling their weight. America is about to start pulling their weight and I know Boris Johnson in the UK is keen for Australia to push their weight as well.
1: Yes, I think we'll probably see from them the reversal of a number of executive orders that are harmful to the environment and um, that kind of hold them back from policy actions towards addressing climate change. Another thing to do with the environment is kind of coming off the back of... The anti-racist movement in 2020, which certainly was a big force in carrying Biden-Harris through the election, is that a high number of black and indigenous communities are at a greater risk of being exposed to toxic air and water. So probably addressing climate change and environmental racism may be a priority in this administration because climate change and racism are two big driving forces behind their campaign. By necessity, it was basically just by being the opposite of Donald Trump <laughs> mm. that has become kind of, yeah, some of their driving forces and things that I think you can expect them to hold true on to what extent, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, and a lot of what the Biden administration come is able to do really does come down to the runoff elections, which are occurring in two days' time from recording. In the state of Georgia, the Democrats need to win both of the seats that are up for play in order to win a majority in the Senate, and then that will allow the Democrats to pass their legislation a lot easier. Um, By contrast, the Republicans only need one. And if they get the majority in the Senate, they're going to be able to block all of Joe Biden's legislation that yeah. he would like to pass. So there is a lot on a lot at stake here. I know we probably shouldn't trust them, but all the political polls that I've seen sort of put the Democrats ahead in both seats. Yeah, I don't but believe them. <laughs> Ariel Ari, Ari and Whitney just laughed at me. I laugh at myself when I somewhat believe them. So we just have to wait and see on the day in a few mm-hmm. days' time, and probably by the time of recording, we'll know.
1: Oh Siri!
2: <laughs> Turns out Siri also wants to join the Ninety Nine Talks team as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, wants. well, f- by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably know the results of the Georgia runoff election and whether or not the Democrats will hold majority in the Senate.
1: Maybe we'll post it because you probably won't know. <laughs> That's true.
2: I I think I'm even guilty myself. Yeah. Around this time of year, between Christmas and maybe even the end of Jan, to sort of switch off from the news a little bit because you're just yeah. so busy. You're, you're seeing your friends. You're going out in the sun. Maybe not today. Not in
1: Melbourne. It's
0: been raining for three days in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, not on the east coast even.
2: Yeah, but like life is just so busy this time of year. So we'll we'll try and help you out with our Instagram account.
0: Yeah,
1: even like when that, like we definitely could have re-recorded that episode to still go up on New Year's (laughs) Day, but we were
0: like, nah.
2: We definitely (laughs) gave up.
1: Yeah. And then I guess the other big thing to look for in 2021 in a domestic sense is will there be an Australian federal election
0: this year? I saw this tweet this morning that Jaden sent to our group. Yeah, but do you want to explain what it is? Because I've got a response to the comment that somebody made. So for context, the
1: election is supposed to be in 2022 on the like regular yeah election so schedule. the electoral
2: schedule as an election every three years. Um, however, politicians tend to prefer elections at the end of the year, and given the way Malcolm Turnbull called a double disillusion election in 2016, that sort of screwed up the election cycle in Australia. So there is likely to be an election this year. And Samantha Maiden, a political editor from news.com.au, asked Scott Morrison about the election this morning. And Scott Morrison, in his typical form, said the bubble likes to speculate. However, he didn't rule it out. He loves Um, the bubble. He loves Mm -hmm. the bubble. He said the election isn't due until 2022, which is just a factual statement. However, he has been given now two opportunities to rule out an election at the end of this year and still hasn't. So, all signs sort of point towards an election at the end of the year, given the way politicians like things. So yeah. Also,
1: when Scott Morrison refers to the bubble, he's talking about this thing, he's established kind of this We're term, the, the Canberra bubble, mm. and kind of just the little flurry of um, rumours mm. and talk mm. that goes around in that.
2: Between the media and between mm. politicians, In those scenes. And yeah. you'll
1: often hear him kind of defer to it, like... Um, if you ask him a question, he'll say, oh, that's a bubble question. Yeah, as in like,
2: um, essentially he doesn't believe that real, quote, real Australians are interested in bubble issues.
0: Or when the next election will be. Or when the next election
2: will be, apparently.
0: (laughs) Anyway, yeah. But one thing I found really interesting, so I read the tweet, Jaden sent it to our group chat, and there was this one lady who responded and said, nope, I bet he calls it out when the vaccine rolls out, which (gasps) would be a really strategic political move. That's quite early, though. That's only March, but I think he would probably... Wait, it roll it out, see how it all kind of fares, and then call it. Yeah, Prepare to the end of the year. I think,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think that tweet that Whitney just read out in, highlights an inherent flaw in our political system. So, yes, we do need an election every three years, but it comes down to when the Prime Minister. Once the election
1: when it's going to work best when in their it's going their to work favor. best
2: in their favor so you know whether it's when the vaccine comes whenever was... whether it's when financial supports um out like the tax cuts at the last election and that differs from the states where there are fixed term elections every 4 years
0: one other thing that we need to talk about as well is on the 4th of Jan so yesterday for us uh the last cut to job seeker was job keeper oh, yeah. was made sorry so that's set to officially end mid March I believe But that'll be a really interesting thing for the start of 2021 to see how the impact will be economically and to businesses and to our communities and also to us as employees of companies and stuff like that to see how it all kind of works out.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to speculate no calling an election till after
2: budget. Yeah, that's that's actually typically part of it.
1: I think it could work to be quite a nice year for the Liberal government if they do call a, you know vaccine, how that plays out, budget. Oh, it's going to be big May. Our last budget was very much a crisis budget. Yeah. So this is going to be a recovery budget. So to see kind of,
0: yeah, vaccine,
1: budget, election, I reckon.
0: I think we'll see a lot of really nice financial projections of how they think the debt is going to be paid yeah. down and how it's going to go smaller and smaller and smaller right. over the next five to ten years. So they'll really harp on that and play that as... A big strategy in this next I think budget.
2: they'll definitely talk about, yes, we did rack up a lot of debt last year. We probably will this year as well. Uh, but this is how we're going to proceed forward. And I noticed that they've, this is a definitely discussion for another time, but the Liberal Party did touch on industrial relations and then they pretty much put their foot on the brake immediately after the Labor Party attacked them because that's not their strong suit. That's sort of why they lost the two thousand seven election as well. So it'll yeah, be interesting it to see if
0: much more labour. It'll be interesting yeah. to
2: see whether that issue comes out in an election year as well.
0: Well, I and know Anthony Albanese has dropped the franking credit. Yes. Yes. Thing, which for a bit of an explanation, franking credits are credits and money that people that have. Um, zero or like low marginal tax rates. They can reclaim any company tax that's paid on the shares or investments that you own. You know, kind of a loose explanation. And then, so it's been called in the last federal election, the Liberal National Party labelled it a pensioners' tax because a lot of the time it'll be pensioners who have zero marginal tax rates who can reclaim all of those franking credits so they use that as additional income so they kind of framed it as if you vote for labor you'll be penalized financially which obviously nobody wants and it's a bit of a scare tactic so labor have dropped that i think in a bit of an effort to make sure that 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 doesn't happen again yeah, it this was time. An, it was
2: announced that pretty much the day after the last election that they would drop that policy but it's now officially happened on the party platform so yeah it's interesting
1: Well, I think that's all we have time for in our very first episode of 2021. We've survived. Yeah, we look forward to another year of big talks and conversations. Um, Don't forget to slide into our DMs on Instagram. Oh, that's your job. (laughs) We up with the social media.
0: Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at at 99talks.pod. Like and subscribe wherever you listen. And again, thank you for your support through 2020 and hopefully into the new year.
2: Thank Thanks guys. Bye. See
0: ya. Bye.